0: Hey there, listeners. Thank you for joining us this week for another episode of This Humana Life. It is my pleasure to welcome our guests today, co-presidents of the Pride NRG, Brian Miller and Lynn Baker. So we will kind of go ahead and get started off with a brief introduction about your role here at Humana and also kind of what, what brought you here to Humana. So Lynn, if it's all right, we'll go ahead and start with you.
3: Thank you. So I have been a Humana for nearly 15 years. I have had um, many different roles. I actually started in the group. Commercial Contact Center in the Cincinnati office and then moved into a claims rework role to an analyst role and then uh, into more process based work for the supporting the contact centers Uh, became involved from there with our member facing tools on the web, so secure email back in the day, which has evolved into web chat these days. And in the past few years, I have been uh, in a role where I support the funding for the IT initiatives that are led by my department, which is Enterprise Shared Services. So we support a lot of the tools that are used by our contact centers and by our members. And I help to uh, ensure that the projects are prioritized and funded appropriately.
0: Wow, I am really glad you gave that description because looking at your title, um, you know, off the directory, I would have never guessed all of that really in-depth IT work and very, you know, mission critical things that happen, um, you know, with our members and securing PHI and things of that nature. So, thank you. And Brian, I'll go ahead and hand it on over to you. Would you share a little bit about your role?
4: Yeah, Brittany, absolutely. And thanks for having us here. So I've been with Humana just under three years now uh, and been working in our enterprise procurement team, enterprise category management. I lead our human capital category management organization. So it's a team of folks really centered around ensuring that we have the right third party partnerships in place, partnerships with companies outside of Humana to help enable our strategy. There's three kind of primary pillars there. One is consulting. Uh, You can think of that as strategy consultants that come in, help us with our our strategy. We have another contingent labor. That one's where we have firms who provide talent and skill sets to us to help us get the job done. And then a third there is business process outsourcing or managed services. And that looks like our call centers that may help field member calls outside of Humana. I also have another part of the team that focuses on being a a really strong pipeline bench of talent into our procurement organization as well. Our strategic sourcing lead team, they're nimble. They help us pilot and pioneer new processes within procurement as well. But at the end of the day, we're here to help make sure that folks across Humana are able to execute their strategies and are able to find and build the right strategic partnerships with those companies outside of Humana that ultimately help us drive those member experiences.
1: that's a whole lot of important work there for both of you
0: a connector that's that's all i was thinking
1: yeah yeah absolutely i am you know Brittany. you said something earlier about you know all these uh, different hats that lynn would had and then and brian has a lot of those same hats it's just like really we we do all that on really so it's uh, interesting just how many different uh, roles and how many, how much we support to keep Humana rolling along. And everybody has a hand in it and it's so really, really cool. But, you know, you got to think about, you know, where you began it with your career and, um, something you wish you had known as you began your career, whether it was with Humana or even before that. So I am curious about that. What is one thing that you wish you had known when you began your career? And, uh, Lynn, let's go ahead and start with you.
3: Um, I I think I would say that The thing I wasn't aware of when I started my career was the possibilities that I uh, came, I'm the first in my family to finish college and understanding how to navigate, uh, you know, education as well as a career path beyond that. Really, I didn't have anyone in in my family that could provide uh, guidance in that way, so I, I think understanding how much possibility there is out there if you're flexible and open to different opportunities, and also finding a mentor, finding someone who maybe has a bit of experience navigating the ropes. And it isn't always finding someone that has the same career path that you are, are particularly interested in, but really just that overall experience of, hey, I've been doing this for a while. This is, this is how you might navigate this, or this is how you might might find different opportunities. Let me introduce you to uh, someone who I know does the work you are interested in. It doesn't always have to be an obvious match. I think that there are a lot of great mentors who can provide so much varied insight without necessarily being in the same field.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think that is interesting, you know, what you said about the possibilities. I like that because I don't think I've really heard anybody answered in that way. One thing you wish you had known as you started your career was the possibilities and um, never heard it called out that way. And networking, of course, we all know about networking and how important that is and um, and it's good. It's good to know what's out and about and around what you might want to venture into next. So thank you for sharing that piece. And, and um, what about you, Brian?
4: Yeah, I'll say I like Lynn's answer too. That possibility piece is a big one. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the one that comes to mind for me, it, was, it came from a woman I worked for early in my career uh, where I was really kind of heads down on, on some work. And, and similarly, you get a little narrowly focused. I was focused kind of in a lane. I was trying to make sure you know, I was, was, was gonna climb the ladder. Uh, and she said, you know what? It, it's good to be focused on, on the core parts of your job. That's key, but she said, you need to make sure you always make room for the cool stuff. And she kind of put the cool stuff in air quotes I thought that was interesting. She explained what she meant by that was it can be really easy to get stuck in the the day-to-day, the the role, your job, your responsibilities, and those are key. Those are table stakes. You have to perform uh, what you've been hired to do. But in order to really stand out, in order to really contribute above and beyond, look for the cool stuff look for those opportunities that may not be a, a part of your job description that may not be uh, what's what's coming across your inbox every day but how can you help build an amazing experience for a fellow associate or for your customer now uh, how can you find something that doesn't work as well as it could and then don't even just raise your hand, just, just go fix it, go chase it. Uh, and I think that similar to what, what Lynn said about possibilities, that, that advice of, of look out and make time for the cool stuff in your job, find ways to help advance beyond, uh, the, the, your, your day to day role that, that helped open up some new possibilities for me as well. So it's advice that's, that's stuck with me, making room for the cool stuff.
1: And you know, I like Brian, how, uh, you know, it's kind of like taking on those stretch assignments. Right. So you can, you know, stretch aside or when I'm hearing you say cool stuff, it's all it makes me think of the stretch assignments that we do take on mm-hmm. that we do fix. And, um, you know, and I know we're going to get to the the NRGs that you support and so forth. But, you know, with Tara, Brittany and I with uh, this Human Life podcast, you know, this is this is our cool stuff. This is what we take on as a side hustle and, uh, and enjoy our stretch assignments. So I get that and I appreciate that.
2: That, yeah, as I was listening, I was thinking the same thing, like, oh, yeah, this is our fun stuff, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. our stuff when you get that idea. And um, it kind of goes back to the mentors, too, because um, when this idea was brought to, to our mentor, she was like, dude, just go do it. Just go do it. Make it happen. And that was such a pivotal point in my professional life and my leadership, too, like, oh okay, we're just gonna do this. Um, so I love I love both of those answers. Let me ask you both, um, when you look at Humana as a whole, how do you see it changing in the future? You know, what if from your business areas and your perspective, how do you see that evolution um, occurring? And Lynn, we'll start with you. I, I really think it's exciting to see how Humana
3: is continuing to evolve with the needs of our members. That, you know, when we came into all of the change occurring with COVID and identifying the needs of our members and and how we're going to support them, how are we going to help people get uh, mental health care during this time. How do we ensure that people get access to testing, that they have um, their food needs, that their you know social isolation needs are being addressed? That we we have moved into a really exciting space where it is about people and not just membership. That you know the humans we serve and how they how they matter as individuals within. Uh, Pride, we've worked. We have someone on our team who's worked very closely with uh, IT to partner on the CGX tool, which is used by uh, some of our clinical teams, and they're putting in an enhancement in the coming weeks that will allow us to capture the gender identity, sex assigned at birth, pronouns, preferred name for customers who previously would have to have those repeated conversations where they uh, volunteer this information every time they call. So the willingness to evolve and consider our our customers as the, the people they are and where they are is just really
4: exciting to me.
2: Could not agree more. What about you, Brian?
4: Yeah, no, I, I fully agree with Lynn. I think, you know, d- digital transformation is it's a buzzword, but it's, it's so true. When you look at our, our strategic capabilities that you, you hear, Vishal, you hear our, our senior leaders discuss and some of our favorite acronyms, right? Ecom, the Enterprise Clinical Operating Model, CECP, Consumer Experience and Communications Platform. A lot of these, so much of it is hinged on technology and using technology well. I think mean, we a great example of what that's meant in pride. Certainly, within in procurement in my day job, we've made big investments in focusing on our enterprise IT lifecycle vendor management for thinking about how some of these key third parties, uh, Microsoft, Oracle, these these companies that that build the tools we use to do our jobs. We've got to make sure that we manage them throughout that life cycle, throughout that partnership between Humana and those companies to really enable these outcomes. So I point to that as number one. Number two is just interdependencies across the enterprise, right? In order to achieve Humana's strategy, we've got to really work together. We're more interconnected across our teams than ever before. Uh, when Lynn and I uh, met and we we became, I, I came aboard here as, as, as the co-president, uh, you know, it was just neat. We, we already had a lot in common. You heard some of it in our introductions around some of our focus in the call center space. So I think it just shows in, in our jobs that uh, in order for humanity to achieve some of these bold outcomes and these, these big, hairy goals, we're going to have to work together in, in ways that we haven't before uh, and, and recognize those, those connected interdependencies as we move forward as well. Digital and together would be the two, two things I'd point to.
0: Well, I think you both brought up great points and helped, you know, really provide those solid examples of things that are actually happening today about Humana evolving as a business. And part of a business is its culture. Um, What changes have you noticed over time in regards to Humana's culture? And Brian, we'll start with you.
4: Yeah, yeah. I think what's neat is that culture has so many kind of layers within it, right? It's uh, certainly, I think that our our work in the end... exactly yeah our, our work in the nrg is one angle we you always know, have your different little little bubbles and circles that can sometimes incubate their own little cultures you know i do think our, our core values of the company are our key we, we we think about those often we we hinge a lot of our conversations on them uh you know the, the changes that i've noticed in my time here mostly within, within my, my team in procurement. You know, I think it goes without saying that the transition to a more remote work style, I, I was nervous about that. We My team, by and large, worked in Waterfront Plaza in Louisville together, uh, sitting in the same physical space, and that it fosters a certain culture. I was worried uh, that with this, this rapid transition to working at home that we'd lose some of that spark, lose some of that, uh, the, the ingredients that made us have fostered a successful culture and work environment. I'm happy to report that, if anything, I think the team uh, really took to leveraging some of the virtual platforms that connect in new ways uh, as we've seen uh, Challenges uh, locally here in Louisville uh, around Brianna Taylor. We've had some really candid open discussions around race uh, Impact in the workplace around just what's been on folks minds. I, I'll tell you I've, I've been uh, really heartened by uh, The the vulnerability displayed by folks here uh, and I think that that doesn't happen Without a culture that that creates a, a safe environment for folks to to be themselves, to speak authentically about what they're feeling, uh, the concerns they have, and to, to bring, bring that to the workplace, right? I, I think that uh, that, I'm not saying that I didn't see it when I joined Humana, uh, frankly, a lot of what I observed in the culture was why I came to the company, uh, was because I was excited about what I saw, but I, I've seen it continue to grow and develop over time here. And it it's absolutely continues to trend trend the right direction. Not to say there aren't elements we want to work on. I, I do think humanity does a nice job between the associate survey, uh, between constant connectedness from our, our senior leadership to help foster and address uh, challenges we face together. Uh, but uh, but the the trend is is absolutely one that continues in the right direction. Uh, and I think that that's manifested in the engagement we see, uh, and in the dialogue that we're able to foster together.
0: I completely agree, and I feel like it's also really important that we have those um, engaged, associate engagement surveys. So it definitely provides that opportunity for associate voices to be heard and to provide that feedback and help um, not only encourage and, and foster that sense of you know belonging here at Humana, but also going to really further impacting culture and how we build it together because that's the only way we're going to do it right is is if we build this together and we influence how it is that we we want to see it in order to really bring our full and authentic selves to work lynn is there anything that you you wanted to add to that for as evolution of culture that you've seen during your tenure at humana
3: that's hard to add to that Those were such great examples and, and such a great perspective, but I, I would say that I have seen just a significant increase in having been here for 15 years and uh, the deliberate focus uh, and concerted effort to you know, adjust culture as needed. So not just um, always building it, but understanding as we grow, as our membership changes, that that sometimes it makes sense for culture to shift, and how we do that in such a deliberate way is definitely grown from when I started at Humana, and I and I really think. Uh, Back to one of the the first questions that you would asked about what you wish you knew at the beginning of your career. Understanding and looking at a company's culture is something that I I think is so huge and and advice that I give to people who are starting now when you're curious about a company's culture. It's great to Google, you know, the company's name and say Humana Donates and just read and see what that company's culture is about. Where do they contribute to the community? Where do they put their time? Where do they put their dollars? And and I'm really always very um, proud to see what Humana does and and the continued focus and shifting focus on culture.
0: I absolutely agree and I feel that corporate social responsibility report every year. Um, so whenever I was in college, I studied PR. And I, I remember that being a, a piece that we talked about as something that, you know, some of the bigger companies did. So before I, I came to Humana, I definitely checked that out and, and was really excited. Definitely um, had a nerd moment over like the brand strategy and things. When I first started, I just remember thinking that was. Really cool to finally see some of the things from my college textbook, like it being practiced in real life.
1: And I like those answers as well. And and Brittany, you're not a nerd. You are. You just like to know. You're a, you. You love that knowledge. So you're so funny when you say that. Um, but I, I know we touched a little bit on networking earlier, and I thought you you gave a brief. Just just a brief line on networking, but I'd like to hear a little bit more about what you all um, consider if it's important to network, or are you all more introverts, where you just stay within your little bubble, or or and any tips you'd like to share on networking. And uh,
3: Lynn, let's start with you. Well, I'll be honest, it's an area I struggle. Um, I would definitely consider myself an introvert when it comes to networking. I have to take very deliberate steps to do it because it doesn't come naturally to mm-hmm. me. So it, it is something that I have to do, um, like I said, very, very deliberately to take those steps. So I try to always find opportunities that provide some structure since I'm not likely mm-hmm. to walk into into a setting and just work my way around the room programs like uh, the mentoring program that was this I, I just participated the first time this uh, past session with impact and the women's energy mentoring session so I, I really got a lot out of that and I it as I said it's just something that I have to make a, a real conscious effort to do because it doesn't come naturally so I try to always at least start with uh, conversations and talking to people about what excites them. So I generally find that if I if I don't have a a natural conversation starter, asking people what they're excited about or what they're working on that excites them usually will get anyone to to volunteer uh, some information and engage in conversation.
1: Well, it sounds like you're just more intentional on your networking process, which is great, which is fantastic. so, Brian, let's hear from you. Are you an introvert or an extrovert with networking?
4: Yeah, yeah. when it comes to networking, uh, and I'll tell you, my husband Dustin certainly. Uh, we're a little bit of a yin and yang. He he likes to recharge with a book, and I'm the type that's like, let's let's get out. Let's okay, I get <laughs> energized by by talking and engaging with folks, uh, which is, uh, is 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 helpful. We we balance each other out in that way. You know, I'll, I'll tell you there was a so so the short answer to that question is extrovert. There was a book I read that that. Uh, that Lynn reminds me of here, uh, written by Keith Ferrazzi, called "Never Eat Alone." Came out probably about fifteen years ago, um, and he talks about relationship glue. When Lynn uh, mentioned that she she tries to find out what people are fired up about, uh, what what they're passionate about, and connect with them on that. I think that's that's a key piece of the puzzle when it comes to to networking, right? Despite the extrovert nature, you know. I, similarly, it, it, I don't know how naturally it comes, and, and I'll admit to uh you know in this to this, this COVID environment, some of my go to tactics of uh. Uh, of of grabbing a cup of coffee on the at the Starbucks on Main Street uh, in order to catch up with uh, with business partners. those Those don't happen in the same way. so I think i've I've had to get a little creative and similarly intentional around making the, the time to proactively reach out uh, to to make sure that those relationships don't don't atrophy, those that were just really easy to facilitate in a face-to-face setting. Uh, how do you make sure you maintain those, and that you keep that that relationship glue, that connection, the shared passions, the shared experiences, keep those strong? I don't know that I've solved for that yet, but uh, but certainly some some uh, unique uh, headwinds in that regard that I think you know I, at the same time probably open up new ways to network and in some ways have lowered lowered the bar. Uh, I, if anything, I think it's created some stronger relationships uh, with folks who didn't, who either don't work on Main Street, right? uh where now you know the 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 playing field's a little more leveled perhaps in terms of who and how you network with uh and it, it's pretty easy to hop on the phone or to shoot a quick Teams thing so uh those are just certainly some some things that have been coming to mind for me here when it comes to, to networking particularly in networking in 2020 right Well,
1: right, and that is so interesting so, by saying that in the concept that you had just shared and and that is so true because uh there is that intentional networking that i just mentioned with You know what what she was Lynn was just saying, but then there's those ones where you just walked across the street to get your Starbucks and you ran into two two colleagues. And then here we are networking in a, in a smaller way that was unintentional, but there you go. And then yes, now the playing field is all level now, because this is the way we're connecting. So interesting. I like that. It makes me think a little deeper into it. What do you think Tara?
2: Yeah, I was going to say, it evens out the playing field in a way. So being virtual myself, I've relied heavily on actually visiting Kentucky and visiting Louisville to make some of that networking happen. And I was saying to my husband, I'm like, gosh, I just miss traveling up there and, you know, getting to see people and talk to them. And he's like, yeah, but nobody's doing that right now. And I'm like, oh, you're right. (laughs) You know, like, it's not just me not making it up to Kentucky. And so then you're, like, shifting into this entire new way of networking and, um, I was on a, a meeting earlier with someone I'm doing a project on, like a side project, and I jumped right into it with her, and, you know, we got going with the project, and at the end, I said, hey, how are you? You know, like, sounds like I forgot. I'm not going to have an opportunity to see her in passing and say, how are you? Um, so just trying to use that time and use it, you know, just to get to know and, and be personable with people. But what I wanted to kind of pivot to brian was you started mentioning um never eat alone and so i wanted to ask you both you know what are the most impactful books or events or podcasts even that um, have impacted you
4: yeah so certainly that that Keith Ferrazzi book on networking i think did did plant a, a seed with me you know another one that that comes to mind that um helped shape my thinking and, and even guided my career a little bit was reading a book called the disney way very early on about disney's approach to customer service i um, actually spent uh, now many many moons ago uh, a summer working for the mouse down in orlando uh and went to the traditions class got kind of indoctrinated in it and uh and, and, and scooped ice cream essentially on disney property at the all-star oh sports gosh. resort uh for cool. a summer which was was a neat experience yeah and i'll tell you obviously upon joining humana i didn't realize that at the time how much of, of some of the the, the disney uh a uh, way of thinking is embedded in our perfect experience uh, approach as well. But, uh, but I'll tell you that, that I think influenced me and, and set me down a path of uh, a passion for creating just really magical experiences, right? Uh, my my back career background is not entirely in healthcare, but uh, certainly have a, a passion in this setting for uh, member experience and what that means. And, and I do think that, you know, Disney did help bring to the forefront in, in certainly in corporate settings. And I think helped change some of the vernacular about how we think about customer experience and how we think about uh, uh, what, what it is to, to truly build engagement with your customers, to create, create magic, uh, and how to think about your internal culture, right? Uh, the, the, the culture of, of cast members uh, at Disney and what it means to be always on stage and, uh, and, and your, your values. I, I do think that, that that's influenced just how I've led teams, how I've chosen companies to work for, and how I've chosen leaders to, to, to work for. So uh, I point to that that Disney Way book as one that I think has helped shape just some of my my outlook, uh, and and how I've prioritized some of the, the the moves I've made as well. That's awesome, Lynn. What about you?
3: I I would say a passion for me and what has led. Um, and has created the most impact for me really has been uh, my exposure to people in the world. Uh, I worked for an airline for many years before Humana and had the opportunity to just travel all over. Uh, Additionally, I was an exchange student when I was younger and had the opportunity in the mid 90s to live in France and to live with a family that had emigrated to France that was Muslim and so I just the constant exposure and learning about other people and other cultures has really impacted who I am and, and how I try to show up places and always learning about those around me and and how um, our personal path can just shape where we land and, and how that plays out with everyone and the conversations that I'm able to have with them and continue to learn. So I, to, to think about books and what uh, has impacted me most, it, it's just always being open to learning something new and then creating spaces for others to have that same exposure.
2: I
1: love that. That's awesome. Thank you. And that's it for this episode, but the conversation isn't over. Make sure to catch part two next week.
2: You can share with us on buzz at go forward slash THL. And don't forget to subscribe by texting THL to two three nine three five five.